You're listening to Dirty Feet, a podcast from No More Radio. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. Hosted by... Animé par Alison Burns. J.D. Papillon. Et Joanie Farrand. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. Hello, hello to all the listeners in podcast land. Dirty Feet is on holidays, and so we've pre-recorded an interview uh, to share with you today. I hope uh, that you are all enjoying your holidays and uh, get some time off to uh, relax and recharge those batteries. This interview that we're going to be playing next is uh, with Katie Belanger from back in March 2013. This was when she first returned to Montreal from Argentina. She was there at the uh, Espacio Lem School, and we wanted to hear about uh, their contemporary dance training program and her experience there. So, uh, as I said before, this was recorded back in March. Since then, uh, Katie presented a work at the 2013 Montreal Fringe Festival called Made of Meat. We had her on the uh, the show at that point to discuss that work. And uh, she is currently in training to be a Pilates instructor. And I do know that Toronto is going to get to see her work next. She's just been accepted into a festival there. And uh, so Katie Belanger is somebody to, uh, to keep an eye on. And this is, again, uh, an episode talking about her experience in Argentina studying. Happy holidays, everybody. for you today. We're actually talking to an old friend of ours who used to work on Movement Museum with us, Katie Belanger. And uh, the reason she ran away from Movement Museum, as we'll hear in more detail in a minute, is because she she went over to South America to study dance, which is pretty spectacular. She was alumno invitado. Mm -hmm. And again, this is all in Spanish, so I'm about to butcher a bunch of words. She went to Espacio Lem, where their program, Programa de Entertainmiento para Performers, oh, I just made that one up, and uh, it was located in Palermo, Buenos Aires, in the Bohemian neighborhood of that city, in Argentina. So mm. welcome back to Montreal, Katie. I know you've been back for a while now, but we're so thrilled that you're, that you're here. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. I think we should start... Before the beginning, even perhaps, mm. and uh, and talk about what position you were in before you left for Buenos Aires. You studied at Concordia in the contemporary dance program with the with a lot of us over here. <laughs> and uh, what else is is part of your kind of artistic parcours pre Argentina? Mm. Okay, so I graduated from Concordia. Uh, in 2011 uh, with a BFA in contemporary dance uh, and then I knew that I wanted to stay here in Montreal um, and so I got a waitressing job and uh, kept 
making work and I was um did a few showcases and did transformation and just tried to keep my foot in my training pretty literally and uh and also performing and just sort of trying to get a career on track and in the late part of 2012 even before then I was feeling really not undertrained after my my BFA but like something was missing like I could I could use more training and not not class for professionals you know like it it's an excellent excellent maintenance tool and you continue to learn tons of things like I, I took a bunch of workshops at 303 I took workshops all over the place but the kind of sustained uh immersive experience the university was where you know like I was there 35 hours a week I was always rehearsing I was always in it in it in it uh I was missing that and I was missing that environment and I also have because I was a lot older um by the time I finished my BFA than when yeah, I of course grandma <laughs> right yeah no I was I'm like I mean last year what was I by the time I started the program at LEM, I was 24, versus when I started the program at Concordia, I was 18. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I'm a very different person, and I have a very different like, grasp of a lot of things. I'm a lot clearer, and I spend a lot less time, like, sitting in my dorm room eating peanut butter. Um, like, <laughs> that just, you know, uh, <laughs> like, it's like, I'm only for my mom. I can eat whatever I want for dinner. <laughs> Um, that's, that's, you know, past that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was like serious business time. So, yeah, it was actually, we were on Movement Museum yes. with uh, Angus Belberni and Guillaume Chouinard, I think, was on as well. And, uh, but Angus um, was talking about, because I knew I didn't want to go back to university. Like, I don't, I don't want to do a master's. I have lots of friends who are doing master's. And I'm like, Mm-mm, no thanks. Maybe later. But I did, I did want some more training. And so we were talking on the show about, about the university environment for dance, because Angus has worked in, I think, five different upper education dance programs. Um, so he's seen a lot of business and like has a pretty good grasp of like the way a university works versus the way a smaller school works. And he's talking about LEM and about how the the women who run it are practicing artists and that they bring in other practicing artists to teach. And it's really small and it's really adaptable. And I was like, man, that sounds amazing. Uh, plus, I'd always wanted to go to South America, and I've, I have um, friends who speak Spanish, and I wanted to learn to speak Spanish, um, but I just couldn't envision how I was going to do that and also train. Yeah, it seemed really impossible. Like, I, was, I don't want to take a gap year. I don't want to run away. So what am I going to do? And so he started talking about it, and it was like a... So you had this in your mind before he even brought up the school? Yeah, this like these, to South America? Like these de- disparate elements. So like I, I wanted to go to South America and I also wanted to train some more. And I also knew I didn't want to go to university. And so, I, I mean, I've been looking around at other programs in Canada. Um, I've been looking at maybe trying to do a residency in the States or something. I didn't know what I was going to do. He started talking about it and I was like, man, this sounds amazing. So I sent him an email. I was like, can you give me the name of the director of the school? They sent me an email, and I emailed Melina, and I went on their website, which is all in Spanish, 
um, and like Google translated it, <laughs> which is now that I speak slightly more Spanish, uh, not always super reliable. Um, read through the material, but was really still didn't know, didn't know what was going on, didn't know. I just knew I had to apply by the you know twenty eighth of February two thousand and twelve. So I exchanged some emails with Melina, sent my application, got in. This is where I want to stop and ask yeah. what what kind of program is the program that you took, the performance program? What is offered? Is it a, a three-year program, a one-year mm. program? The way that they had been running it is that it's year by year. So several people had been taking the program when I arrived for two and a half or three years, uh, but they'd been taking it a year by year program. So there's no certificate or anything. Um, there's no... Uh, at a station from the Argentinian government or anything like that. So it's, yeah, and it's a bit, it was a bit obscure on the website. And I, at least because of the Google Translate situation, and also because of like the framework of training that we're used to here, I think, to a certain extent, or I'm used to. And so the program runs... Uh, as a part of the space. So the space, Espacio Lem, um, contains the work of the the two artists who run it, um, Melina Seldes and Viviana Aspara. And after six months, um, Vivi, I still can't pronounce her name correctly. Um, I was there six months, so if everybody else butchers it, um, I don't blame you. Uh, she's a very beautiful woman, and I'm very sorry I can't pronounce her name correctly. I try. I try very hard. Um, so Viviana Aspara and Menina Seldes run the school. So it's their space as well. And th- so they run their rehearsals, um, performances, uh, talkbacks, um, roundtable discussions. Uh, they rent the space out to other visiting artists who come for residencies. And then um, the Entrenamento para Performares um, is a program that exists as a part of the line of thinking of the school. And so the students who go are like extremely serious. They're going, they're there close to 40 hours a week, but it's like a part of the space. And so there's 15 hours of um, technique class a week that's open to the public. So um, the public, and I mean the public, like 60 to 100 people per week come to take technique class from Vivi. So those people come, and then the program itself exists in the hours between (laughs) technique class and rehearsal. Um, So there's an anatomy class. Um, We took theater and mime, Lecoq technique. We had guest artists come in and set work on us. South American artists, specifically, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, specifically, the theater director, Marcelo Savignone, who also works in Lecoq technique, which is um, a mime technique, and then other physical theater techniques. is uh, He has his own space in Buenos Aires and has also worked, I believe, in Spain and across the rest of Europe, and now works in, yeah, in his own space in... Argentina in Buenos Aires doing really interesting things like doing an impro- semi-improvised version of Unvania, um, Uncle Uncle Vania. Is that the now I can only remember it in Spanish Unvania. Um, anyway, it's a, a they also do a 
an improvised version of Hamlet uh, with masks uh, and at the Conex, which is this huge cultural center and people come to it and it's amazing. Um, and he set uh, a new work on us through the program. So it's the idea of the program obviously is a formation to create professional artists out of people who are previously not. And so the people who are, and you have to submit a letter of intention. Um, the, the program is very demanding. And so I don't think anybody would just take it for fun. Yeah. The, the idea is to create performers and to create professional performers who are able to deal with the current needs of the, um, the current dance world. Um, Melina works a lot in Europe. Um, she was actually gone for a portion of the time that I was training, dancing and training in Europe. Um, so she comes back and she brings artists from Europe uh, with her. And so there's an exchange going on between Buenos Aires and Europe and contemporary artists. As a alumno invitado, mm-hmm. uh, is that a unique invitation or are the majority of students the majority of students are from um mercosur countries so um there's a next uh group of countries in south america grouped together that there's like a trade agreement so people can move more freely between the countries and stuff so the majority of the students are from those countries there are i was one of three invited students so there are there are four students in the program itself when I arrived. So two had left. So originally they had been six, two left. And so there were four regular students left who are following the program and will be potentially for another couple of years if they want. And then there were two other girls who were invited students. And then I was an international invited student. Uh, And this year, I believe they're only taking two invited students, period per module so it's run in three modules three months apiece and the the total program then becomes about nine months long though the the space itself runs all year um yeah does that answer your question absolutely (laughs) and where were the other students from juan felipe is from colombia maria is from uruguay and then everybody else is from Argentina. So um, one of the other students is from a smaller town in Argentina. And then a bunch of the other students are right from Buenos Aires proper. Yeah, so like in the same way that, you know, when I went to university, there were people from Lac Saint-Jean who came in to go to university. Then same deal with the space in Argentina. Yeah, it was a very small program. Now, you had a a larger preparation than you would normally have for a program, say, in your own country. Mm. Do you want to speak a bit about once you decided you were applying to this school, Mm. what did you have to do to get ready to go? Well, on one level, I didn't know what to expect at all. I've never traveled to South America before. I, previous to this, didn't speak more than four sentences in Spanish. I remember the, the little guerto that you kept talking about. Oh, yes. Um, Donde esta el gordito? Right. Uh, which means, where is the little fat guy? <laughs> which is... It's very useful. Right? It's not a, it's not a particularly <laughs> useful sentence. Um, so it was like that and una cerveza, por favor, and like I counted ten, mostly. And 
Uh, so it was, it was like that. Um, so I had to start learning Spanish. Uh, so my brother and my father generously purchased me a Rosetta Stone program, and I started using my computer to learn to say things like, La mujer no maneja el carro. La mujer no maneja el carro. The woman does not drive the car. <laughs> Which is just a, an exercise in using negatives, but a hilarious exercise in using negatives. Um, yeah. Uh, el gato es debajo de la cama. The cat is under the bed. Um, so when I arrived in Argentina, these are like, this is what my uh, vocabulary was mostly limited to. <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't super useful. Um, my mother kept telling me that I had to learn to count and like learn my directions so that like if we were all going to the left, I would know what everybody was talking about. And she was right. Uh, those became very useful words. Oh, in dance class. Yeah, in yeah, dance okay, class. Exactly. <laughs> like five, six, seven, eight to the left. Um, this is what my mother imagines dance class is like, I think. Um, <laughs> 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 just like not, not too far off, frankly. So... Yeah, so I also had to um I had to make the money to go, so I had to yeah, come up with the tuition money and so that involved uh some overtime work weeks. And uh yeah, I, I quit my job here in Montreal, um and moved home to Alberta with my parents. Um and uh generously for them did not uh pay any rent and uh just worked and worked and worked and like did a lot of yoga to prepare because there's no uh, professional class particularly in Edmonton and then uh, got on a plane and flew I think by the time I'd been in the air been in the air something like probably 28 hours something like that overall with all the layovers and everything that I had to do and then and then the time change I arrived in Buenos Aires and I had a week to adjust. The, all the other students were on a week off. A week to adjust. It was winter when I arrived, uh, even though it was June here. So there it was about nine degrees, uh, between five and nine degrees. And uh, everybody was wearing parkas. And <laughs> there were no leaves on the trees. And it was very rainy all the time and cold. Uh, it was cold for a person who'd come from June in Canada. Um, but obviously people kept saying, but you're Canadian. Like, it's not that cold to you. And I was like, no, it's not. I'm wearing a jean jacket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that was how I prepared. I, I really had no idea what to expect. I just, when I showed up, it kind of like hit me like a ton of bricks, actually. Yeah. Was it a kind of situation where the culture change... Uh, was distracting from the studying or mm. did it help you focus to not have anything familiar nearby? A little column A, a little column B. Mm -hmm. uh, the first month and a half, I couldn't express myself well enough for, you know, frankly, probably two, two and a half months. I couldn't express myself well enough to begin to have even the most basic of conversations. Um, so I could string together sentences to get a fork in a restaurant or uh, like tell somebody that I was allergic to lactose or, uh, you know, um, explain to my teacher that my, you know, right hip hurt or did I need to like get deeper into the lunge or whatever. But I couldn't, you know, tell people about my feelings. Um, and it became very clear to me when I was having like 
two conversations a week over Skype with people in Canada. And the rest of the time I, um, and I'm obviously like if anybody who listened to uh movement museum previously, I'm a, I'm a talker. I don't know if you're getting that impression radio land, but I'm a talker and that was not possible. I was, I was unable to do that. So that was a major issue. It was the language barrier. All my classes were hundred percent in Spanish. Um, some of the other students do speak English. And so they translated a lot of the class for me, um, which was also really frustrating. It made me feel like a child a lot of the time, even though that was nobody's intention. But when you can only speak at the level of a six-year-old, um, you start to feel like one. Argentinians are very, very different than Canadians. And it was fascinating in the first couple of months that I was there. And then deeper and deeper as I got along. And for example, my family visited me from Canada and to see them like <laughs> transplanted, maybe the way that uh, a little bit the way the students around me were seeing me transplanted, how different Canadians are from Argentinians um, beyond the language issue. So uh, Argentinians are very physical, uh, touchy, not touchy-feely people so much as like they touch you while they talk to you. Um, my teacher uh Vivi is like probably 115 pounds soaking wet and like five foot mm, nothing so she's just a very very small person um and while she would speak to me about whatever correction it was or something that ha happened during class she would reach out and she'd probably stand about i don't know half a foot to a foot closer to me than everybody stands to one another even intimate partners in uh, <laughs> um, in canada and put her hand on my stomach like the same way you would put your hand on somebody's shoulder if they were upset um except for not um because it was my stomach and also i wasn't upset so it was you know and that was just like a normal level of personal contact to have with another person it's not a greeting in Argentina from the way I've been able to suss it out unless you've kissed somebody on the cheek to like somebody will say hello to you from across the room and then come all the way across the room later if they you know have to put their coat down or whatever and kiss you hello on the cheek because otherwise it's like they haven't said hello. Is it a double kiss or a single kiss? Just the one. Just the one. Okay, good to know. Just the one, yeah. Being here in Montreal and being used to the, the double kiss and sometimes forgetting and trying to morph it into a hug and I don't know. Yeah, and then like, and you both go for the same cheek and it's weird. Um, there was a lot of that too. Uh, yeah, and then the, the street harassment uh, in Buenos Aires is intense uh, from 8 a.m. to... If I was awake and out in public, uh, somebody, uh, a man... There was a man talking to me, any man, all the men. Uh, good morning. How's it going? Beautiful. Um, that's a nice ass you've got there. Uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> For, like, the entire day. <laughs> if I, I could actually come, I, I started just coming directly from my technique class, like soaked in sweat and like just, just reeking um, just to try and fend them off and no dice. It was not a thing. Um, so that, I mean, the culture shock was subtle to me because I wasn't, I wasn't overwhelmed immediately by it. I adjusted to some things pretty quickly, but the sort of creeping uh, 
inability to express myself combined with several other elements uh, in the first month, month and a half, I was really uh, beside myself a lot of the time. I was really upset. And then then I adjusted and it was it was okay. And there were still things. I mean, I never got used to being catcalled at eight o'clock in the morning or cat called so intensely but. just need to walk around a uh, little portugal a little bit more <laughs> maybe that's what i need to do that's what i should have done to prepare yeah exactly this um, training to go to south america yeah and then i mean the program itself uh was incredibly intense and so i mean what you've said about like 17 minutes ago when you first asked this question <laughs> about did it help you to focus absolutely it helps me to focus and i needed all the focus i could get because i was in technique class five times a week three hours at a time plus extra technique class for the program plus anatomy class plus theater class plus taekwondo taekwondo that's part of the program yeah it's an it's an integral part of the program every week on monday night we had taekwondo class and it was actually one of the most important and Partially because of its uh, consistency through the entire program, but partially because of the intensity of Taekwondo training that, yeah, made up for a huge amount of my training was um, the Taekwondo was really important to the training. I wanted to ask you about safety, mm. um, specifically when it comes to dance class or Taekwondo class, physical safety, because when you do, when you are limited in your communication, there is, you know, you mentioned earlier, oh, my right hip hurts. How do you say, mm. am I doing this wrong or this doesn't feel right? Or is there, mm. is there, you must have to take more responsibility for that than usual. Yeah. On one level, absolutely. On another level, Viviana's classes, uh, her technique classes, are very particular. She has uh, created a system from her study of yoga, Feldenkrais, Pilates. Uh, she attended the um, largest classical school in Argentina um, in her 20s. So uh, you won't see any of the, her the classical training in the forms of the dancing, but she certainly has the background. Um, and then uh, her study of release technique, and she's taken all of these things and combined them. And so there's a really intense focus on somatic work in, um, in class. So the first hour of the three hour classes, the first 45 minutes to an hour was somatic based. So we warmed up super, super well. And then her classes are constructed in a way that healed my body in a way that I could, I, I only previously hoped would happen. So I, yeah, absolutely. There were some times when I was really concerned about my personal safety because um, I was coming into the program with like a, a bad hip. I won't lie. It's not, it's not a good hip. Um, uh, there you go again, grandma. Right. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much falling apart. Um, no, that's not true. Um, it just, I have some muscular patterning issues in my hip. And so, and it did, it became a problem in the first, probably for six weeks that I was there. I, I was in a lot of pain and then through some translations and through Viviana's body, the way she moves is so clear and so specific all the time. I watched her do the same series of movements uh, probably a thousand times um, while I was there, um, our, like one of the opening warm-up sequences, and it was always exactly the same, down to the way she put her fingers onto her back to support her back in a, um, a shoulder stand was always exactly the same. Uh, it 
tempo changed, uh, her breathing changed, things, you know, she would make a change on purpose for training purposes. You know, we're going to do the transition on the out breath and, and the hold it on the in breath, that kind of thing. But the movement was always exactly the same. And so as long as I was very specific about the way that I followed her body, I was fine. And it actually worked to my advantage that I didn't know what she was talking about a lot of the time. She doesn't talk a lot in class, which is also very different from my experience here. She doesn't explain things a lot. She gives corrections, but the exercise she demonstrates and then she demonstrates again and then you do it. And then she might get in and demonstrate it again with the students. Uh, she might do it with you. Um, and then you do the exercise over and over and over and over. The only time that she spends a lot of time talking is in the somatic exercises that she's leading verbally. And so as a result, I had no choice. Like, if, I mean, here, like you can say, lift your arms over your head. And I mean, if you say that and then turn to the group of people who've just been instructed to do that, you're going to see a different way to lift your arms over your head for every person in the room. But if you lift your arms over your head and everybody has to copy you, you're going to get a group of people who are a lot closer to one movement. Mm -hmm. um, and by the same token, I, if I was following her and I was following her body, I was safe. Uh, yeah. Just before we started recording, you were discussing a bit the differences between the type of training that you are used to here in North America and mm -hmm. what you receive there in South America and kind of the, the through lines that were different. Mm -hmm. I, uh, the first while that I was there was super lost. Uh, the classes, um, consist, the technique class consists of a lot of series of movements that come in part from yoga. And so, I mean, I had some background in yoga. I'm not a, not a yogi enthusiast. Um, a yogi is an enthusiast. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I had some background in yoga, and so I was able to follow the basics of the movement. But the almost the entirety of class has a relationship to the floor that we don't use in Canada, except for in floor work class or like the floor work section of class trying to explain to my Argentinian colleagues that we have a thing called floor work was really confusing to them um, they were like well then what is the rest of the dancing um, like, like air work wall work like I'm really what are, what are you doing for the rest of class and so I mean, we were having a meeting because I was trying to explain to them why it was hard. I mean, we were having a meeting about a bunch of things, um, but, you know, they were checking in with me, like, how are you doing? What's going on? And I was like, this is really hard for me because, and they were like, well, what kind of training do you have? Like, what, what do you do in Canada in your classes? And so I, I proceeded to demonstrate, like, a bunch of exercises that I could recall from my technique training at Concordia, which is t contemporary technique training. And, like, nobody's going to dispute that. I'm certainly not going to dispute its contemporary but I mean tendus, rond de jambe um, those things we can do them in parallel but it's still a rond de jambe um, and my colleagues in Argentina had never seen anybody do a rond de jambe um, and these are some of the most beautiful movers I've ever seen in my entire life um, and so the focus in technique class got completely shifted off of form um, Viviana didn't really care what the form of the movement was um, because as far as she was concerned 
if you were doing it correctly, the form would follow. Um, so if you, if you were moving the space the way that she wanted you to move the space around your body, um, if you were accessing the sensations that um, she was talking about, uh, she would talk about um, we would be doing um, a really deep squat and then turning to extend one leg backwards. And if you turned and extended your leg backwards, absolutely everybody in the class would end up in more or less the same shape. But if you turned and extended your leg backwards to attempt to create the shape, you were doing it wrong. And it's hard for me to articulate because I don't understand it. And it was frustrating the entire time I was there. It sounds in opposition to what you were discussing before with everybody Mm. put your arms in the air Mm. as opposed to directing people how to feel it, show them what it looks like. So, well, this is and this is what's fascinating about uh, her technique um, and the way that she trains is that um, I find having been there now that the way that we integrate somatic work into our work here. I mean, you do somatics and then you go to technique class and the two things are to my recollection, significantly more separate than they are with Viviana's class. Um, So the somatic work leads directly into the technique class and she will speak about provoking a sensation in the body and so you you spend the first hour of class um opening your hips and doing these things that uh you know like finding um the musculature of your back or doing whatever you're doing um in the somatic section and then you do a lot of improvising to access sensation that you provoke so she gives a lot of breathing exercises. So a breathing exercise that would provoke you to feel out of breath. And there, uh, it's a hard thing to explain um, because you do see that the entire class ends up doing exactly the same thing. But I spent a lot of time trying to recreate the forms that she was making instead of recreating the lines of movement. And so if I watched where her leg moved in space and sent my leg through the same path of movement, I was more successful in completing the exercise than if I watched her leg go from bent to straight from in front of her to behind her and tried to recreate the shape of her leg. Is that more clear? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing a distinction between those ideas. Absolutely. And I mean, I it was very frustrating and very sometimes really upsetting to be working so hard in class um, and to not be getting it. Um, Because, I mean, up until that point, my entire dance training in some way, shape, or form has been based on forms. It's been based on recreating a form. We all know mentally what a plie is supposed to look like. And we're given instructions about what a plie is supposed to feel like, in part to help us create a form in space. And both Melina and Viviana are more interested in the movement of the body through space. And so the amount of static bending and stretching that you do in class is like next to nothing. There were no plies. I didn't point my feet the entire time I was there. (laughs) We didn't really turn like in the way that you would recognize like on one leg or on two legs or doing chenet turns or anything. 
certainly we we moved around our axis um and i you know sometimes i was facing the front and sometimes i was facing the back of the room but the way that that was completed was not yeah not something i would necessarily call a turn it's yeah I, I would encourage people who are interested um, from the way that I'm describing this or confused from the way that I'm describing this to check out the, the Lem Vimeo channel. And they have a, a video about the, the training, um, and that might help. Based on all this new information that was coming at you, was six months enough? No. No. And I feel that I felt that more near the end than I did at the beginning. At the beginning, I was really overwhelmed. And near the end, I thought to myself, I can't leave. I can't leave. <laughs> my body is changing. My neuromuscularly, my body was repatterning itself. I was able to do things I'd never been able to do before. Um, my body felt freer than it ever felt before. Uh, improvising for probably close to an hour and a half in technique class every week um like it was minimum in technique class we'd improvise that much and then in some of my other classes we'd be improvising and some to a certain extent like lead improvisation um but then there was a lot of she would would just diminish and diminish and diminish the parameters and so by the end of friday's morning technique class uh i would be I mean, it, for anybody who really loves to improvise and does it a lot, um, there's an, a space that a person can get into mentally and physically that's really exciting. Um, and I felt like I was accessing that space for the first time in my life. And I would love to go back. That's interesting that you bring that up because we did an episode, I think, back at the end of the uh, 2012 with uh, George Stamos and Aaron Flynn and we were talking a lot about teaching and mm. uh, teaching dance technique and they were lamenting the fact that they don't do a lot of improvisation here mm. in as a part of technique mm. I think that that's one of the things that impressed me the most about the about the classes like impressed upon me the importance of that I what's fascinating is those classes are extremely I mean it's three hours of like alone of your free time if you're not a, a dancer if you're not intending to do this professionally um, and the majority of the people who come to class aren't and they just come to class because they like it um, and that they're getting something out of it in a lot of ways usually a freedom in their body that they don't hadn't previously experienced and it's a hard class and you sweat and it's very upsetting sometimes and you do the same series over and over and your arms hurt and you're exhausted and then in the last half hour you're improvising and you're improvising throughout the class sometimes in two to five minute bouts to integrate information from an exercise to integrate the resonance of an exercise but that last improvisation of the day is where I would often have my aha moment of the technique class. And also, I think that sometimes I remember Ken Roy's technique classes uh, being amazing and um, watching him dance being super moving, um, just like totally worth getting out of bed for in the morning, never mind the dancing itself. But I remember after weeks and weeks of his very demanding technique class, uh, like people weren't necessarily showing up on time. Uh, people weren't necessarily showing up at all. And on a Friday, he just put music on 
gave us some instructions about the the improvising he wanted us to do and we just danced we just improvised for the entirety of technique class and i remember all of us feeling so much better afterwards and us coming to monday class like early and excited and it refreshing and renewing our our relationship to our dancing and i think to integrate that into the structure of class means that people it means that if you're having a, a bad day and like this whole like lunge turn lunge roll business is really not doing it for you um and you're just like man my thighs you can just lie on the floor um and that's a legitimate choice and nobody's going to get mad at you <laughs> and it also means that if technique class has put you in a place where you're like just stoked um you can just dance and dance and dance for the last half hour of class and move and sweat um and experience uh, the space and your own body and and the movement vocabulary you've been working with. And absolutely, I think that there should be a one. I would love to go to a three-hour technique class every day from now on. I think that technique class should be three hours now. Uh, and uh, and I think that it should include that much improvisation. I think it's, I think it's an incredible idea. I think it works super well. Um, yeah. So mm -hmm. if you're going to go somewhere and learn something new where you don't speak the language necessarily, dance is definitely the right choice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, would you consider going elsewhere, like where, mm. you know, start fresh in Germany or, or something like that after would, this experience? I would love to. I would love to go. Uh, I would be really interested to go to Impulstanz, and I would love to spend some time in Europe but there's a very large part of me, to be perfectly honest, who just wants to go back and study with Bibi and Melina every day. You know, technique class was, uh, I've been talking about it a lot, I think, because it was one of the most consistent aspects of the, I mean, there was technique class every week the entire time I was there for six months, five times a week. Um, but the the performance classes repertoire, we I performed more times in the time that I was in Argentina than I did in the last two years of my undergraduate degree. I, I think we gave 18 performances in the six months that I was there. Wow. And that was a whole other training to perform is a whole other training and to rehearse after you've performed, you know, to, to have a work that is complete that you're not going to change aspects of necessarily, but that you're going to refine your interpretation of the work over time so that I, we started performing the piece that was created with uh, Marcelo Savignone in August and we didn't finish performing until the end of October and so you can imagine that over that amount of time hopefully and thankfully our our interpretations of our roles changed they refined um, it was an incredible training in that way that I don't know if I would have gotten otherwise besides obviously performing professionally and I'm glad I got it in the context of school to perform over and over again and and to have those frustrations and to have like questions for my professors my teachers about okay like tonight didn't go well but you thought it went well so what what is what is the relationship to what I'm feeling while I'm performing to what's happening for the audience and you know one night 
we thought we were really funny. Um, it was a comedic piece. This is like sort of broad comedy about weird single people um, done through entirely through physical theater. It was very, I thought it was very funny. And we thought we'd been really funny and like really on. And both my teachers came backstage and were just like sort of ashy faced. They did not look happy. Um, we were like, uh, what did we? And they, you know, we said it was like it was an entire series of inside jokes. Hmm. Like something about the way that we'd performed it hadn't let the audience in on it. And to realize how subtle those relationships can be and how you have to pay attention to them. And, and you know, having my teacher say to us, like, look, like technique, flawless technique is a given. Like, I don't want to see you thinking about your thighs on stage. Like, we've, like your performance has to be stacked on top of that. Don't, don't give me... <laughs> Don't give me glazed over looks. Don't give me a lot of, uh, I don't want to see the nuts and bolts of the performance when you're mm. performing. Performing is its own thing. Mm -hmm. You've got to like take care of your thighs and technique this morning. And now you're performing. Those things were at, over and above. And to have an experience this rich again, I don't know if it's possible. I learned so much that I have like right in front of me, Radio Land, I have my two like super thick, uh, I suppose podcast land is it, what do we call podcast land? Um, that podcast land, podcast land. Awesome. Um, I have two big thick notebooks in front of me and that's not even all of my notebooks from the time that I was mm -hmm. there and I would recommend it. It's like, it, it also gave me a view on Canada from afar, like both Canadians and Canadian culture, um, both Anglo from, I mean, I'm from Western Canada, and uh, it also gave me a view on regionalism and how um, people from Buenos Aires are different from people from uh, the regions of Argentina and certainly very different from Colombians and, and um, people from Uruguay and from Paraguay and whatever. And so to realize that within my own country, the differences are perhaps more important than I thought they were, um, but also more common. Like this is a thing with countries. It's not unique to Canada. And uh, yeah, to realize that in Argentina, your body is a very different conception than it is to like Anglo Canadians. I tell this story a lot, but I think it's like a very, I use it because it's a really good example if if I was sitting in my class, at, or bit, like on the break between my classes, because um, you don't sit in class. No, there's no sitting in class. <laughs> there was no sit. I didn't sit once in class. I don't think um, there were no lectures. We we would sit and eat together as a group, and everybody would share their food. And uh, if my colleague, even like two days after me meeting her, and I, I still call her my colleague, if her leg rested against my leg it wasn't a thing if my leg rested against somebody's leg in the subway it wasn't a thing there was no sense of personal space if my my mother came to visit me and came to, we spent christmas together in south america and if my mother's leg rested against my leg in the bus she would make a space and people people in argentina like can't conceive of that they don't what do you mean there's like a like, why would you, why would you pull away? Like, are you going to, you're, you're, you're going to catch something? Like, I don't, they were just, they were really confused. And that, that physicality, that 
uh, kissing people you barely know, um, touching shop clerks would touch me and, you know, people in the street would touch me. People's children would grab my pant legs. Um, like it was just the, the physicality. Um, also the heat by the end of the time I was there, it was like 42 degrees, you know, all of this, the physical space that I was in and the fact that I was living in my body all the time left a really deep impression. And I, I miss those things and I didn't, those are not the things that I expected when I left. And so I think that it's an incredibly rich experience to go and study away. And it's a very rich experience to study dance. You're absolutely right. The language barrier matters, I think, a lot less when you're dancing. Katie, thank you so much for sharing all this with us. It's, it's really wonderful to hear all about, uh, all about your experience in Argentina. Can you let us know again the name of the school and mm-hmm. the program and how, if if after listening to us speak this long, somebody is just dying to get over there, how do they do that? Mm. So the, the school is called Espacio LEM, and LEM is in all capitals L-E-M because it stands for uh, Lineas en Movimiento. You can hear how bad my accent is still which means lines of movement. So the space is lines of movement, and that's uh, in line with their philosophy. Uh, the directors of the school are Viviana Ayaspara and Melina Seldes. You can uh, find them on Vimeo, um, which is where the video work um, that Viviana has perform- uh, choreographed and Melina performs in, and a lot of Viviana's earlier works from dating from, I think, 2006, um, some of which Baile de Campo, we danced sec- sections of while I was at school, and it's a beautiful work, and you should watch it on the internet. And uh, if you want to go to the school, which I like super recommend, I can't recommend it enough, frankly. The website is espacio-lem.blogspot.com and uh, Melina um, is super helpful and sent me all kinds of emails and uh, government documents um, that I <laughs> and it is I mean international travel uh, you got there are a lot of government documents um, a lot of things you got to sign a lot of passports um, a lot of passports <laughs> just really the one a visa the, I guess just the one yeah visa exactly um, visa that's what I meant I didn't have passports I just had visas um, <laughs> I swear Canadian government I only have one passport yeah. Um, yeah, that's what people should do. You should go and check out their work on the internet and, um, and then go to the school because it's beautiful. And, and Buenos Aires, I didn't even talk about how, like, I'll just say that it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like jacaranda trees in November and it's hot there. So you should go there in the winter because it's their summer when it's our winter. It's an excellent system. <laughs> well, thank you again, Katie. We'll have to have you back uh, once, love to once back. we've got to, uh, the next step in your process to discuss. Cool. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Dirty Feet is recorded every week at the Montreal Improv Theatre. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. Dirty Feet is produced and animé par Produced and hosted by Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, and Joanie Farrand. You can find out more about our show at nomoreradio.com, follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet, and find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. 
pouvez écouter tous nos épisodes sur notre site web ou vous pouvez vous abonner également sur iTunes à notre podcast. Listen to past episodes on website or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to give us a rating and or leave a comment to help us spread the word. Tune in next week for a whole new show.